Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we're going to be talking about the passing of Saint Joseph, which also is the conclusion of Jesus' private life. After his earthly father's passing, he uh, enters public life. And we're going to begin with Jesus in the uh, carpenter's workshop uh, that belonged to his father. He is working at a large carpentry bench. Um, I must tell you I'm reading from The Poem of the Man-God uh, by Maria Valtorta, Volume 1. Okay, so uh, I'll back up and I'll say that uh, Jesus is in Joseph's carpentry workshop and he is working at a large carpentry bench. He is planing some boards which he then rests against the wall behind him. He is by himself. He works diligently but peacefully. No abrupt or impatient movement. He is precise and constant in his work. Nothing annoys him, neither a knot in the wood which will not be planed, nor a screwdriver which falls twice from the bench. Now and again he raises his head and looks towards the southern wall where there is a closed door, and he listens. His mother comes in. She rushes towards Jesus. She is worried when she calls her son and leans with both her hands on his arm in an attitude of prayer and sorrow. Jesus caresses her, passing his arm over her shoulder and comforts her. He leaves his work, takes his apron off and goes out with her. Oh, Mary says, Jesus, come, come, he is very ill. They go into the adjoining room full of bright sunshine coming from a door open onto the little kitchen garden. There is a low bed covered with a small mattress. On it, leaning on many cushions, there is Joseph. He is dying. It is obvious from the livid paleness of his face, his lifeless eyes, his panting chest, and the total relaxation of all his body. Mary goes to his left-hand side, takes his wrinkled hand, and now livid, near its nails, rubs it, and caresses it, and kisses it. She dries with a small piece of cloth the perspiration that forms shiny lines at his temples. She wipes a glassy tear in the corner of his eye. She moistens his lips with a piece of linen dipped into a liquid which I think is white wine. Jesus goes to his right-hand side. He lifts quickly and carefully the body which has sunk, he straightens him onto the cushions which he then adjusts together with Mary. He caresses the forehead of the dying man and endeavors to encourage him. Mary is weeping softly, without any noise, but she is weeping. Her large tears run down her pale cheeks, right down to her dark blue dress, and they look like bright sapphires. Joseph recovers somewhat and stares at Jesus. He takes his hand as if he wanted to say something, and also to receive strength for the last trial from the divine contact. Jesus bends over that hand and kisses it. Joseph smiles. He then turns round, and with his eyes he looks for Mary, and smiles also at her. Mary kneels down near the bed, endeavoring to smile, but she does not succeed, and she bends her head. Joseph lays his hand on her head with a chaste caress that looks like a blessing. Only the fluttering and cooing of the doves and the rustling of the leaves and the warbling of the water can be heard outside and the breathing of the dying man in the room. Jesus goes round the bed, takes a stool, and makes Mary sit on it. 
once again calling her simply Mother. He then goes back to his place and takes Joseph's hand into his own once again. Then Jesus, bending over the dying man, whispers a psalm. The psalm is number 16. It begins thus, Look after me, O Lord, because I hoped in you. In favor of his friends who lived on his earth, he has accomplished all my wishes in a wonderful way. I will bless the Lord who is my adviser. The Lord is always before me. He is on my right hand side, that I may not fall. Therefore my heart exults and my tongue rejoices, and also my body will rest in hope, because you will not abandon my soul in the dwelling place of the dead, neither will you allow your friend to see corruption. You will reveal the path of light to me, and will fill me with joy, showing me your face. Joseph cheers up a little, and with a more lively look he smiles at Jesus and presses his fingers. Jesus replies to the smile with a smile of his own, and to the pressure on his fingers with a caress. And still bending over his putative father, he goes on softly. How I love your tabernacles, O Lord! My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord. Also the sparrow has found a home, and the little dove a nest for its young. I am longing for your altars, Lord. Happy those who live in your house, happy the man who finds his strength in you. He inspired into his heart the ascents from the valley of tears to the chosen place. O Lord, hear my prayer. O God, turn your eyes and look at the face of your anointed. Joseph, sobbing, looks at Jesus and makes an effort to speak as if to bless him, but he cannot. He obviously understands, but has an impediment in his speech but he is happy and looks at his Jesus with liveliness and trust. O Lord, goes on Jesus, you have favored your own country. You brought back the captives of Jacob. Show us, O Lord, your mercy and bring us back your Savior. I want to listen to what the Lord is saying to me. He will certainly speak of peace to his people, for his friends and for those who convert their hearts to him. Yes, his saving help is near, and the glory will live in our country. Love and loyalty have now met. Righteousness and peace have now embraced. Loyalty reaches up from the earth, and righteousness leans down from heaven. Yes, the Lord himself bestows happiness, and our soil gives its harvest. Righteousness will always precede him, and will leave its footprints in the sand. Jesus says to Joseph, you have seen that hour, Father, and you have worked for it. You have cooperated in the formation of this hour, and the Lord will reward you for it. I am telling you. Jesus wipes a tear of joy which slowly runs down Joseph's cheek. He then resumes, O Lord, remember David and all his kindness, how he swore to the Lord, I will not enter my house, nor climb into the bed of my rest, nor allow my eyes to sleep, nor give rest to my eyelids, nor peace to my temples, until I have found a place for the Lord, a home for the God of Jacob. Rise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and your ark of holiness. Mary understands, and she bursts into tears. May your priests vest in virtue, and your devout shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not deprive us of the face of your anointed. 
The Lord swore to David and will remain true to his word. I will put on your throne the fruit of your womb. The Lord has chosen his home. I will make a horn sprout for David. I will trim a lamp for my anointed. Now Jesus says to Joseph, Thank you, my father, on my behalf and on behalf of my mother. You have been a just father to me, and the Eternal Father chose you as the guardian of his Christ and of his ark. You have been the lamp trimmed for him, and for the fruit of the holy womb you have had a loving heart. Go in peace, Father. Your widow will not be helpless. God has arranged that she must not be alone. Go peacefully to your rest, I tell you. Mary is crying with her face bent down on the blankets, which are stretched on Joseph's body, which is now getting cold. Jesus hastens to comfort him, because he is breathing with great difficulty, and his eyes are growing dim once again. Jesus says, Happy the man who fears the Lord and joyfully keeps his commandments. He is resuming a psalm. His righteousness will last forever. For the upright he shines like a lamp in the dark. He is merciful, tender-hearted, virtuous. The just man will be remembered forever. His justice is eternal, and his power will rise and become a glory. And then he says to Joseph, You, Father, will have that glory. I will soon come to take you with the patriarchs who have preceded you to the glory which is waiting for you. May your spirit rejoice in my word. And then he continues with his psalm. Who lives in the shelter of the Most High lives under the protection of the God of heaven. And he says to Joseph, You live there, O Father. And then he continues his psalm. He rescued me from the snares of fowlers and from rough words. He will cover you with his wings and under his feathers you will find shelter. His truth will protect you like a shield and you need not fear the terrors of night. No evil will come near you because he ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. They will support you on their hands so that you may not hurt your foot against the stones. You will tread on lions and adders you will trample on savage lions and dragons. Because you have hoped in the Lord, he says to you, O Father, that he will free you and protect you. Because you have lifted your voice to him, he will hear you. He will be with you in your last affliction. He will glorify you after this life, showing you even now his salvation. And now Jesus says to Joseph, and in future life he will let you enter because of the Savior who is now comforting you, and who, very soon, oh, I repeat it, he will come very soon, and hold you in his divine embrace, and take you at the head of all the patriarchs, where the dwelling place has been prepared for the just man of God, who was my blessed Father. Go before me, and tell the patriarchs that the Savior is in the world, and the kingdom of heaven will soon be opened to them. Go, Father, may my blessing accompany you. Jesus has raised his voice to reach the heart of Joseph, who is sinking into the mists of death. His end is impending. He is panting very painfully. Mary caresses him. Jesus sits on the edge of the little bed and embraces him and draws to himself the dying man who collapses and passes away peacefully. The scene is full of a solemn peace. 
Jesus lays the patriarch down again and embraces Mary, who at the last moment, broken-hearted, had gone near Jesus. Now Jesus is speaking directly to us. He says, I exhort all wives who are tortured by pain to imitate Mary in her widowhood, to be united to Jesus. Those who think that Mary's heart did not suffer any afflictions are mistaken. My mother did suffer. Let that be known. She suffered in a holy way, because everything in her was holy, but she suffered bitterly. Those who think that Mary did not love Joseph deeply, only because he was the spouse of her soul and not of her flesh, are also mistaken. Mary did love Joseph deeply, and she devoted thirty years of faithful life to him. Joseph was her father, her spouse, her brother, her friend, her protector. Now she felt as lonely as the shoot of a vine when the tree to which it is tied is cut down. It was as if her house had been struck by thunder. It was splitting. Before it was a unit in which the members supported one another. Now the main wall was missing, and that was the first blow to the family, and a sign of the impending parting of her beloved Jesus. The will of the Eternal Father, who had asked her to be a spouse and a mother, was now imposing upon her widowhood and separation from her child. But Mary utters, shedding tears, one of her most sublime remarks, Yes, yes, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And to have enough strength for that hour, she drew close to me. Mary was always united to God in the gravest hours of her life, in the temple, when she was asked to marry, at Nazareth, when she was called to maternity, again at Nazareth, when shedding the tears of a widow, at Nazareth in the dreadful separation of her son, on Calvary in the torture of seeing me dying. Learn, you who are crying, learn, you who are dying, learn, you who are living to die. Endeavor to deserve the words I said to Joseph. They will be your peace in the struggle of death. Learn you who are dying to deserve to have Jesus near you, comforting you. And if you have not deserved it, dare just the same, and call me near you. I will come. With my hands full of graces and consolation, my heart full of forgiveness and love, my lips full of words of absolution and encouragement. Death loses its bitterness if it takes place between my arms. Believe me. I cannot abolish death, but I can make it sweet for those who die trusting in me. Christ, on his cross, said on behalf of you all, Father, unto your hands I commit my spirit. He said that in his agony, thinking of your agonies, your terrors, your errors, your fears, your desire for forgiveness. He said it with his heart pierced by extreme torture, before being pierced by the lance, a torture that was more spiritual than physical, so that the agonies of those who die thinking of him might be relieved by the Lord, and their spirits might pass from death to eternal life, from sorrow to joy forever. Now we'll continue on with the Virgin Mary. She is speaking directly to us. She says, I wish to add my blessing. Now, only if you wish so, with a little patience, you can have a complete collection of the private life of my Jesus. 
from the Annunciation to the moment that he leaves Nazareth to start his public life, you have not only the dictations, but also the illustration of the facts that accompanied the family life of Jesus. The infancy, childhood, adolescence, and youth of my son are only briefly mentioned in the vast picture of his life as described in the Gospels. There he is the master. Here he is the man. He is the God who humiliates himself for the sake of man, and he works miracles also in the humility of a common life. He works them in me because I feel that my soul reaches perfection by the contact with my son who is growing in my womb. He works them in the house of Zacharias by sanctifying the Baptist, by helping the labor of Elizabeth, and by giving speech and faith back to Zacharias. He works them in Joseph, opening his spirit to the light of such a sublime truth which he could not understand by himself, although he was just. And after me, Joseph is the most blessed by this shower of divine gifts. Consider how much progress Joseph makes, I mean spiritual progress, from the moment he comes into my house to the moment of the flight into Egypt. At the beginning he was but a just man of his times. Then, by successive steps, he becomes the just man of Christian times, and he acquires faith in Christ, and he relies so securely on that faith that from the sentence he pronounced at the beginning of the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, what shall we do? A sentence which reveals the whole man with his human fears and his human worries, he passes on to hope. In the grotto before the birth, he says, it will be better tomorrow. Jesus, who is approaching, already fortifies him with this hope, which is one of the most magnificent gifts of God. And from this hope, when he is sanctified by the contact with Jesus, he progresses on to daring. He always wanted to be guided by me because of the venerable respect he felt for me. Now he manages himself both spiritual and material matters, and as head of the family, he decides when there is a decision to be taken. Not only, but in the painful hour of our flight. After that, months of union with the Divine Son that filled him with holiness. It is he who comforts my affliction and says to me, Even if we should have nothing else, we shall always have everything because we shall have Jesus. My Jesus works his miracles of grace in the shepherds. The angel goes where the shepherd is, whom a fleeting meeting with me predisposes to grace and leads him to grace that he may be saved by it for eternal life. He works them wherever he passes both when in exile and when he came back to his little country in Nazareth, because wherever Jesus was, holiness spread out like oil on a linen fabric and the perfume of flowers in the air, and whoever was affected, if he was not a demon, became eager for holiness. Wherever this eagerness is, there is the root of eternal life, because who wants to be good will reach goodness and goodness leads to the kingdom of God. You have now the holy humanity of my Son, seen through the details which reflect different moments from the beginning to the end. All we need is that you trust us. It is enough if you say with Joseph, If Jesus is left with me, I have everything, 
and we will come with heavenly gifts to comfort your spirits. I do not promise you human gifts or human comfort. I promise you the same consolations as Joseph had, supernatural ones, because everybody should know the gifts of the wise men in the dire necessities of poor refugees vanished as fast as lightning when we purchased a home and the bare essential household implements necessary for life, and the food which is also essential for life, and could be procured only out of that source of income until such time as we found work. Jewish communities have always helped one another, but the community gathered in Egypt was formed almost exclusively of persecuted refugees, who therefore were almost as poor as we, who had come to join them. And a little share of that wealth, which we were anxious to keep for our Jesus when adult, and we had spared out of the expenses for settling in Egypt, was most useful for our return, and just sufficient to reorganize our house and the workshop in Nazareth upon our return. Because times change, but human greed is always the same, and it takes advantage of other people's necessities to suck its part in the most exorbitant way. No, the fact that we had Jesus with us did not procure us any material wealth. Many amongst you expect that, when they are hardly united to Jesus, they forget what he said. Set your hearts on things of the Spirit. All the rest is unnecessary. God provides also food, for men as well as for birds, because he knows that you need food while your flesh is the tabernacle of your soul. But first of all ask for his grace. First of all ask for things for your spirit. The rest will be given to you in addition. All Joseph had from his union with Jesus, from a human point of view, were worries, fatigue, persecutions, starvation. He had nothing else. But as he aimed only at Jesus, all this was turned into spiritual peace and supernatural joy. I would like to take you to the point where my spouse was when he said, Even if we should have nothing else, we shall always have everything, because we have Jesus. I know your heart is broken. I know your mind is becoming obscured. I know your life is wasting away. But do you belong to Jesus? Do you want to belong to him? Where, how did Jesus die? My dear children, weep, but persevere bravely. Martyrdom does not consist of the form of torture, but in the constancy with which the martyr endures it. Thus death from a weapon is martyrdom, and likewise moral grief is martyrdom, if it is suffered for the same purpose. You are suffering for my son's sake. Whatever you do for your brothers is still love for Jesus. Who wants them to be saved? Thus your suffering is martyrdom. Persevere in it. Do not wish to do anything by yourself. The pressure of pain is too severe, and thus it is not possible for you to have sufficient strength to be your own guide and control your human nature, preventing it from weeping. All you need do is let grief torture you without rebelling against it. It is enough for you to say to Jesus, Help me. What you cannot do, he will do in you. Remain in him, always in him. Do not wish to come out of him. If you do not want, you will not come out, and even if your sorrow is so deep as to prevent you from seeing where you are, you will always be in Jesus. 
I bless you. Say with me, Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Let it always be your cry, until you will repeat it in heaven. May the grace of the Lord always be with you. So this ends the private life of Jesus, the parts that we were allowed to, to know and to see. Uh, Jesus has said in, in other parts of these books that to show every day of his life would fill volumes and volumes and volumes of books that would fill an entire library. So he shared the important parts with us. He's given us a chance to know what he was like as a child, what he was like as a young man, what his family life was like, the love between Mary and Joseph, the love between Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. They are the perfect example for us to follow on how to respect each other within a family, how to give love and consideration and care and always think of the other person before we think of ourselves. I think that Jesus here, in showing us the, the death of Joseph, he shows us how we can be comforted in his arms, comforted by his words, comforted by his love, and that we will not die alone. When we are beginning our journey to heaven, we can ask him to comfort and console us, and that will bring us exceptional peace and calmness of the spirit, and we can die and enter heaven with, with happiness and joy and a feeling of completion. I send my peace to you all. I ask the Lord to bless you. Please join me again for the next episode, episode 25, which begins the first year of the public life.